What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, who is the most, Jasmine Ellis, and I'm super, super excited. I know I say this every week, and I always mean it because I only pick people I think are dope. Like, if I think someone's not dope, they're not going on the show. That's that's why I'm in charge here. I decide who's on here. And I'm super excited to have Esther Steinberg with me. Say hi, Esther. Hi, Esther. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on here. I've been a fan of yours for a while. Like, just I like just love your stand up. Super think you're super funny. Uh, And you have a new special out, right? Yes, it just dropped like a week and a half ago or something. And it's called Burning Bush. It's about my journey to being a mom in the middle of a pandemic, but also it's just ridiculous jokes. Um, And yeah, it's available on Apple, Google Play, um, Amazon. Amazon. You can rent it or buy it, whatever you want. That is so exciting. I, I just cannot believe that like in the midst of the crazy year everyone had, you like also brought a whole human being into this world. And now you have a really great mom podcast that's just super funny. Sometimes you have your own mom on there, other comedian celebrity moms. What's that project been like for you? At first, it was me actually desperately looking for advice, like really trying to find answers to the struggles that I was having. And now um, I've had people kind of come on that just had a baby and then I'm giving them advice. What? And now um, it feels like I'm shooting this shit a little bit more of like broader because before, yeah, it just, I try to keep it super real and present to what I'm actually dealing with at that moment with my kid who changes every 45 minutes. He's a different person. That's so amazing. Okay. I'm going to admit something and please don't be creeped out. I think your baby is the cutest thing in the entire world. Uh, I'm obsessed with him. He's I so funky. Him. He looks ripped. I don't unexplain it, but it's like his little roll. Very like- strong. <laughs> he has really big shoulders, and <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen a baby with shoulders. I'm just like, you look like you've been doing bench presses. He came out of my womb, and he had head control, and he was like lifting his neck and turning. And I'm like, what the fuck happened in the womb that you're coming out like bench pressing? That is so wild. Okay, do you think there's like a trend with babies being born bigger and stronger lately? Because I can tell you a terrifying story, but I'm just curious, like, are you hearing more stories like this? Um, Maybe. I also, I hear all kinds of stories and people have premature and this and that and the other. But yeah, like the big baby thing, maybe babies are getting bigger. I don't know. So my nephew, um, my sister, my as in my husband's sister's baby, was born um, like right on time, like not early, not late, but okay. When she was in labor, she took it, she fell asleep. And when she woke up, they came back and were like baby in the bed. And he was already like past his like head, like out of her. This was in Yahoo, Australia. It was a real story. You can look it up. Laura, Laura Thompson out of Mesquite, Texas, her baby kind of half delivered himself. So, and he's, big he's only six months old and he's wearing his brother's one-year clothes and so i'm like well of course he's giant he let himself out you know what i mean like i'm so that's insane i wish that happened i'm listening to you and i'm like how jealous am i my kid we induced and for 36 hours they just pumped me with like all of the medicine that like is supposed to help you 
you know, give birth and make your cervix bigger and nothing worked on me because I have such a high tolerance to drugs. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I handle my drugs really well. Sorry. <laughs> they, um, they had to do a C-section. So I'm, I have envy. I have um, vaginal envy. Like anyone who had a vaginal birth, I'm envious of. It's something oh. new that I never knew I'd be envious of. I'm like, oh, you got to have a baby come out of your vagina. That's like, oh, that's what I wanted. Who knew? That's the interesting thing is that I think there's this misconception that like, I hate, I hate when I hear this, especially when men say it, it makes me want to fucking fight when they think that the C-section is the easy way. You knew what I was about no. to say before. Ooh, it makes me want to fight. It's like a really intense surgery that sucks. And then the recovery is, um, I mean, I feel like I'm still recovering I, in weird ways. It like destroys your body. And I'm like, oh yeah, I hate to not encourage people to have kids, but like, it really is such a it really is such a sacrifice of your body and your whole time in your life. But yeah. then they're really cute. So then you're like, well, is this, I guess, I guess I would never, whatever. I don't know. I never want to discourage people, but I'm like, hang on to your bodies, get a surrogate. <laughs> I love that. I just appreciate your honesty about it. Like personally, kids are not for me, but I just really respect that there's so many different paths we can take. And I love that female comedians are able to have our space now and just talk our shit. This is something I went through and I'm going to find something funny in it and you're going to laugh. You know what I mean? And that's why I just, I get excited about the honesty of everything you do. So I just think it's really great. Yeah. Thank you. I have no, I don't think I have the ability to like sugarcoat motherhood and I don't understand who ever did that before. Like why? Just let people know that it blows. <laughs> Let them oh, hear it. Let them hear it. It's like, why would you? Oh, I love Mo. Yeah, being a mom is so great. Okay. You're lying. <laughs> this is such a random thought I had, but there was like a little period where Netflix specials, like everybody was pregnant. Did you like, did you consider trying to time it so you'd be pregnant during your special or were you just like, whatever happens, happens? <laughs> so I really had all these baby jokes that were coming up. They were silly, like, um, I rub my belly and I'd be like, oh, my husband hates it when I make jokes about being pregnant. I rub my belly and I go, we've got a Jew in the oven. And like, <laughs> we had, I mean, I can get away with all kinds of Holocaust Jew in the oven jokes, but like we, cause my name is Esther Steinberg, but like we, I had so many silly jokes that involved like rubbing my belly and talking about my big belly. And then, um, I was ready to do just like an album, call it crowning. And then uh, Comedy Dynamics contacted me and they were like, Tribeca Film Festival special. We're going to combine the two, Tribeca, Comedy Dynamics. Oh, yeah, it's in April. And I'm like, great. My baby's due May 29th. I'll be nine months pregnant. I'll record a special. And then they were like, actually, there's a pandemic. And I'm like, oh, no. And they completely canceled it. And I was like, great. I'm never going to do a special. Cool. Thanks world like i was personally the victim of COVID, and then they were like okay no we're gonna do it i think anyone who's supposed to do a special in april and then has to do it in july it's like who cares okay more time to work on it but for me it was like pretty much all these newer jokes because i had to change everything and it wasn't yeah. longer like rub my belly it was like now i had jokes about delivering and i had jokes about drinking my own breast milk on the plane which I had to do because I was hungry and they weren't serving food. 
Okay, so what does breast milk taste like? I don't have, I, I think I think I've tasted it unless my mom lied to me, but I wouldn't know. Oh, you, bro- you forgot. So first of all, your mom is a hero for breastfeeding you. Let's just shout out to your mom for doing the hardest job ever. Um, but it tastes like almond milk with kind of a kick, you know? <laughs> You're like, did this almond milk go bad? <laughs> I'm sure it's just the fact that it's like body temperature, not room temperature, body. Like, I don't think I've ever consumed anything at the temperature it would come out of my body. You know what I mean? So like, that's gonna yeah. be. <laughs> it's, definitely a group. it's a good temperature. Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess I've, I, you could put ice in it and stuff. I mean, there was like a movement where bodybuilders were drinking breast milk, which is so weird. But I can only breastfeed for a certain amount of time. And then the day came where I'm like, if I go one more day breastfeeding, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, yeah. It does not look fun. <laughs> I, 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 it's so funny because it's weird. Like, I, I've done a lot of Mother's Day. Even as a child-free per- like girl, have, like, you've done a lot of Zoom gigs or stuff like, like virtual comedy, right? Sure. Not to brag. But- I've done like three or four Zoom shows. What? <laughs> How have you felt about them? Have you liked them or been like, what is this? Um, they're the pleasure of doing comedy in my pajama pants with my hair like looking like disgusting. The pleasure of being barefoot, sitting down and like telling jokes is there is nothing that can compare to that. So that's not very comedically related, but related to like my lifestyle currently. I don't want to wear shoes. <laughs> um don't make me put on pants and fuck makeup so um the zoom shows have been fun because they cut out all of the really horrible things like traveling and putting on shoes connecting with the audience is tricky but at the same time you see all these people's faces like you can kind of do crowd work with them you can mess with them a little and i always mm-hmm. think it's so kind that like one show I did was for like the whole Jewish community in Memphis, which I didn't even know that they, you know, I don't know them. I don't know anything, but they hired me and it was like two, 250 people on zoom and they really enjoyed it. And in my brain, I'm like, can't you just turn on a comedy special at home? But <laughs> people liked it. And that's, I guess all that matters, but I don't, I don't think it really compares to stand up. I don't know. I'm like pros and cons. So many pros, so many cons. What about yeah. you? For me, okay, so I've done an embarrassing amount, like a lot, a lot. But part of it is because I'm at the stage of my career where most of my work is co- as colleges. And so the colleges that went 100% online classes mm. have online entertainment and they have to have entertainment built into their budget. So I've been doing like, <laughs> you should, it's it's a little cringe because like I try too hard. And so I have this like gold sequence backdrop and like a mic stand and yeah. like completely dressed with makeup. Like I try you're to make it a point. You're getting paid for that. Like you, so I when start- I have the pressure of if there's, if it's more than a thousand dollars, which colleges should pay you more than a thousand dollars. And if it's more than a thousand dollars, I definitely feel a weighted pressure to like give them a show and try really hard and be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> One time this girl, because I tried it, like, they won't turn on their cameras. Like, it's funny, beginning of the pandemic, they were, like, really down. And the kids are tired of Zoom classes. So the energy's different in the shows. One time this girl goes, 
she just like gets real close to the camera. She goes, what's wrong with your teacher? And I was like, honey, you're not muted. Hi, I'm not a teacher. I promise. I'm not having a mental breakdown where I decided to try and make calculus really fun. Like I'm a comedian. And like it was what just are really your jokes. Are they teaching? Are you teaching these kids anything for real? <laughs> a little bit. Like mostly I just, I do a lot of modified stand-up, but like with a lot more storytelling than before. I kind of treat it like a, a YouTube video, if you will, where it's like more that long format. And then at the end I do Q and A and I talk to them about like what it's like, how I got into this, that kind of thing. But it's so funny because Gen Z, it's so they're really into mental health. I love that for them. I think it's great that they're super comfortable talking about it. However, literally, I'll be like, you guys have any questions for me? And someone will be like, you talked about your parents not being proud of you. Do you think that maybe you need to explore those feelings more? I'm like, girl. Someone made that assumption in an interview. They were like, blah, 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 and your parents aren't proud. And I'm like, or like, they didn't want this for you. And I go, actually, and I don't need to get into it. My dad comedy in the 80s and the 90s and he was the one who encouraged me to do stand-up so don't make all these assumptions that our parents are mad <laughs> it's i think it comes from because i think for women in particular they just assume nobody wants their daughter to be a comedian how could they want yeah, that they yeah there's a lot of different people in this world yeah maybe that's the lesson i always feel like if i go to a college i want to give them something i'll be like mm -hmm. don't you know like don't let a guy treat you like this like i wish i had jokes about how not to let men treat you or how to treat each other or relationships that were more like i'm gonna sit like let me just listen this is important i i don't have that bit but i guess i always feel like i should give them advice because they like so it lost they 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 appreciate the advice and it gets like real conversational um also i've been talking about, a lot about astrology lately for whatever reason that's just super relatable Why i'm not? like don't even i've like i am so into it um no one can convince me otherwise i'm okay, a pisces I know your big three. what i gotta know your big three now i have to know with my astrology mm -hmm. What's my, what do you mean? Like my rising sign, my sun sign and your moon. Mm -hmm. I think I forgot it, but I'm a Pisces and I, <gasps> and I, and I, are you a Pisces? Yes. Okay. So I, I never really sought out. I think I've gotten my like whole chart done, but for some reason I like blink out on everything because I identify with Pisces so much that like, I don't, I don't, I'm all good, but I will, I listen to Deborah Silverman's, um, she's this like hippie lady online that does these astrology, um, videos. And anytime that I'm feeling super off, everything's wacky. I like go to her video and it's like the planets right now. It's like Uranus is going, is in the moon and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this lady's explaining to me that that's why I'm feeling horrible. And I, I just swear by it. I just think what's your, your so do you have a, what's your like rising and moon and I'm a Pisces and I always, I never identified with the Pisces and maybe it's because like the astrology stuff I would read always made it sound like Pisces were very shy and docile. And I'm just now starting to understand the other parts of it as being like really dreamy and empathetic and, um, and um, absorbing other people's energies and being like really compassionate, like the good stuff. I yeah. always kind of took Pisces to be a little bit of a weak bitch and I didn't want to see myself as that, no offense. Right. <laughs> I actually think the shy stuff 
is interesting because I've kind of interpreted it as myself, like, um, maybe being like more sensitive or careful about your authentic self, but you want to please. So you put on a show for everyone. Like we do when we go to colleges and we're like, all right, we're going to be the we're going to talk about funny stuff and I'm going to make you like me. And I think that's the uh, weird Pisces energy of like, there's shyness that you cover up with like acting and performing. And, but when someone really wants to like get in there, you're like, Oh, yes. Yes. And I didn't see that. And then my rising is a Virgo. And I was like, Oh, love that Virgo, Beyonce, Beyonce. Michael Jackson, entertainer, boom, boom, boom. Gonna get it energy. Right. I have a couple of Virgos in my life that are perfectly Virgo-esque. Perfect. (laughs) I think Pisces and Virgo need that energy together. I think water signs need enough earth signs in their life to keep them from just like, I literally will have these moments where I'll, I'll call my sister and be like, everyone hates me. And I'm never going to make it. And what am I doing with my life? And she's like, so you've been talking about this for about 10 years and it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Is she a Virgo? Yes. My <laughs> sister's a Virgo. I'm oh. Pisces. My sister's a, And I I call her like every day and tell her I'm, I'm worthless. And she, <laughs> and she doesn't tell me that's wrong. <laughs> Isn't that great to have? And it's funny too, because with a sibling, they're the only person who you can say that to and they can sound annoyed with and them being annoyed with you still feels better. Like like my yeah. sister will talk, she'll talk crazy to me. And by the end of the call, I go, yeah, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. My sister's always like, it's a sign. You're not supposed to. The energy of the universe doesn't want you, your path. You know, I guess I'm really down with like all of the mistakes or things or clusterfucks in your life. We're really guiding you to your purpose. See, I love that. I love that so I much. Well, I definitely hide all that part of me, the hopeful, mystical, magical. We do some witchcraft, things like that. I, I hide it a little bit in my comedy because like, I don't think that part of me is very funny. Uh, however, I do have a joke about the secret, which is like my favorite joke, but I've retired it because I've told oh, it. Okay. Oh, is it on it's everywhere. I'm so sick of it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's on my special and it was on my like Gotham comedy set, but it's uh, about the secret and like manifesting and it's very funny, but that was the one time that I like exposed the part of me that is so very into magic and horoscopes and other things. It's not funny. (laughs) I think stuff like that can be funny to people who like relate to it. But then when it goes over other people's head, they're like, it is, I have a, I have a bit about how vision boards are like, uh, they're like writing God a ransom note because I feel this conflict as someone who was raised religiously and is also into the the, the mysticism. Sure. So it's like, decide, all right, do you believe in this rock or Jesus? I'm like, couldn't Jesus have made the rock? Like, hypothetically. <laughs> Jesus manifested walking on water. <laughs> Oh man, I'm having so much fun getting to know you and getting a feel for you. And I love, I love this part uh, that comes after when I get to find out the songs that influence your life. But before we get into your songs, I am going to take you back to a musical moment in history. I want to talk about one of the, when you look up the term music scandal, this is one of the first things that comes up. 
It happened in the 80s. And I just love telling the story because it's got its twist. It's got its turns. I'm talking about the 1989 supergroup with the Grammy Award winning Billboard Hot 100 topping Millie Vanilli. What do you know about Millie Vanilli? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Um, I'm here to learn. I I was about to like be like, please let it be this, this or this. And then you got you got me with something I really don't know about. So teach me. Cool. Okay. I, see, and Millie Vanilli is one of those things that I've like heard of as a kid, like just in the background of things. I was born in 89, you know? So in my mind, I've like heard the expression or like when someone is faking something, we call it Millie vanilli But let, let's talk about exactly what happened. And so I'm looking up some stuff with biography.com and here's the, the long and short of it all. Okay. All right. So one interesting thing about them is <laughs> Millie Vanilli, even though they sang in English and were huge in America, they were actually a European group. July 21st, 1989, it's a moment that forever lives in music industry infamy. Millie Vanilli, who at the time were among the biggest names in pop music, were performing at a theme park lake compounds in Bristol, Connecticut. As the German duo launched into the smash hit song, Girl, You Know It's True, something went terribly awry during the chorus. The tune's familiar vocal refrain was stuck on a loop. Everyone on stage froze. Millie Vanilli singer Robis Platus bolted off the stage. He said, I knew right then and there it was the beginning of the end for Millie Vanilli. Politis admitted in the Los Angeles Times of November 1990. When my voice got stuck in the computer and it just kept repeating and repeating, I panicked. I just ran off the stage. So this was one of those things that like made a huge impact on like, because <laughs> at the point they had already won a Grammy for best new artist in, 19, in February of 1990 the two of them were huge and what it turned out was is these were actually two dancers and their manager found them thought that they had a good look realized they couldn't sing and then found some american vocalists to just have them dance and sing over and this is you know this is pre TikTok, youtube like you had to have talent in the 80s right this was something <laughs> that like changed everything and for the first time at least to my knowledge in grammy history they actually had to like turn over the Grammy and give it back, which was Whoa. like, like very, very embarrassing at the time. Um, later on, they've done like Q and A interview type of stories, but um, the two of them talk about it, like very, in a very sad sense of what happened to them. And the worst part about it is, um, Here's something Kalata said. I feel like a mosquito being squeezed. The last two years of our lives have been a total nightmare. We've had to lie to everyone. We are true singers, but that maniac Frank Farian would never allow us to express ourselves. And that's his opinion. I've I've heard. Uh, this is the thing is I can't even find any video of like their actual singing. Um, <laughs> like, so it's kind of like <laughs> it's weird to say I'm a true singer, but no one will let me sing. It's like I. I promise they would have, you know. A week after the revelation that neither face of the group had performed the record, Millie Vanilli was publicly stripped of the band's Grammy Award for Best New Artist, and it was the first and only time a Grammy Award has been rescinded. Okay, so that confirms my suspicion. The only time that's happened ever, that a Grammy's ever been given, which is really funny, too, because I remember when uh, Macklemore made this whole show of saying he didn't deserve the Grammy because Kendrick Lamar should have won it. Do you remember this? Yeah, and then also Adele to Beyonce. Yep, but both of them kept their damn Grammys. Like me. Oh, oh, but I think I think John Mayer and Alicia Keys like split their Grammy. Like they like broke it in half. I think John. I'm pretty sure John Mayer like broke his Grammy in half for her, what? and they both share it. 
But the other, the closest thing to that happening for the like MTV Music Awards would be Kanye trying to take Taylor's Grammy out of nowhere or not her award, her MTV award. This is wild. You're you're right. This this happened. That is okay. Okay, poo poo on the Grammys. That's kind of interesting because what you're what we're describing is like so. Millie Vanilli is a couple of like black Swedish dudes um, pretending to sing, and they do like every race rolled into one. Like they really have. <laughs> they look Swedish, but somehow they look black. It's like it's a. They're very interesting. I think it's like blue eyes. Like yes. I understand why someone was like, "You're a star. You've got the look." <laughs> The cheekbones. I mean, they were just beautiful people. Stunning. Just absolutely gorgeous individuals. You know what I mean? And Freshly gay. <laughs> like, oh, man. And they talk about it like, oh, this is, wow. It's one thing, this is something every 10 years, another article, like when I look this up, I can see 10 years after Millie Vanilli, 20 years after Millie Vanilli, 30 years later. Um, but what I was saying, it's interesting that you mentioned about John Mayer and Alicia Keys. I had never heard that before. And then we talked about Macklemore and Kendrick Lamar and Adele and Beyonce. And it's like, it just seems like all of these white artists being aware that they didn't put out the best project, winning the Grammy and then feeling that a black artist should have received it. And it's just like, what does that say about the Grammys? That even the artist is like, mm, I mean, you sure? Do we even have to question how incredibly off whoever's voting for the Grammys? Like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Y'all are racist. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what their criteria is. I mean, I remember watching Cardi B was about to get, I mean, I was thought Cardi B was about to get Invasion of Privacy was going to get um, album of the year or something like that. And I was like, of course, of course. And then they said it was Casey Musgraves. And I like yelled at the TV for a little bit and was like, how is that possible? And then I listened to Casey Musgraves and I, I really did like it, but I, I wasn't convinced, but that was like one of the times that I was like incredibly invested. And I was like, come on. And I'm I like, what? What? Yeah. Not like hip -hop? how can you even compare the two anyways? Cause she's like a poppy country and she's doing, I, what I would say was an incredible album. Um, it is. I agree with you because I'm not a country fan and it kind of converted me, but I'm, I've recently become a part of the yeehaw agenda. Like I like the girly girls and the gays of country. I'm a big fan of them. You know, anybody, oh, I just want to see little necks and sparkling cowboy outfits forever, you know? Yeah. I've, I've been really heartbroken from the Grammys and then it's like, I don't trust you and I don't trust your opinion. Grammys. And there's a lot of like, I've heard there's a lot of like lobbying behind the scenes. A lot of people who end up with the awards, or there's even like, you know, like, I don't wanna call it like, like kind of sort of Grammys training camps that up and coming artists get into. And if you kind of like paid your dues in that sense of knowing the right producers who are Grammy affiliated, it makes things easier in a long way. Um, and a lot of a lot of artists who come up in a different way and they're more grassroots of just doing things themselves don't have those same connections and same access. And when you've got the same people running things, it's just really like it almost feels like a little bit like like if Millen Vanilli were black people of American descent, I would almost call this reparations. You know what I mean? Like just to scam the Grammys yeah. like that and, yeah. and be able to win for being wrong, but. It sounds like they just had a crazy manager 
who employed everything he could to get these people to the top. I mean, the crazy thing is, Girl, You Know It's True wasn't even originally their song. Um, and in interviews, they were told to like suppress their accents because you had the French-speaking um, German, uh, the German-born French-speaking Pilatus, and then uh, Morvan was also French-speaking. So they would like try to have a different accent in interviews and just... For two years, all they did was try to contort themselves into this like super group and it worked. It worked and then it didn't. And it's crazy to think that the thing that like undid them was a boom box. Like it just Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the easiest thing. So, I wonder what just, undid it reminds me of like Ashley Simpson. Yes, that was a performance and she was completely done afterwards. Okay, personal opinion. I feel like SNL has the worst sound on all of live television. Horrible. Yeah. It's unimaginably bad. Every time, every time someone performs on SNL, it's the worst performance of their career. Like I've, I've had like echoey and like softer than you're like, I'm trying, I'm trying to hear her voice and it's like blown out almost. I'll be watching SNL and then someone will come on that I like and I have to tell my husband, oh, no, 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 baby, I promise she's better than this. This is just SNL. Like, I, my husband didn't know who Dua Lipa was and I was like, no, 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 this is just weird for her. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, everything's weird on that show. Oh, man. So that's going to wrap up the music minute with that. I don't want to, like, depress you all, but I, um, the story doesn't end too great for them. They never get back into music, and um, and one of them did recently pass. I need to double check on the name on that. I just wow. I'm not, I don't mean to laugh. I think I'm laughing at myself because like I should have had a happier ending wrapped up, and I don't really. Um, okay. Some, hey, sometimes there's sad endings. There just are. And- well, we're talking about them now, so maybe that's the happy part. I mean, I was gonna say, and then they lived, you know, without. Their Grammy, but with all the pussy in the world. That's true. On April 1998, on the eve of a promotional tour for a new Millie Vanilli album, Back in an Attack, featuring Pilatus and Morvan on lead vocals, Pilatus was found dead from alcohol and prescription drug overdose in a hotel room in Freeshore near Frankfurt. So they had planned a European tour, and he unfortunately passed away. And it would have been their real voices. So it's really sad to not get to use your voice in that aspect. But I don't know. I guess it just kind of speaks to how predatory that industry can be, but also, you know, the, I'm sure as someone who knows about like the secret and a lot of that, like motivational stuff, they talk about scarcity and how the feeling of scarcity can make you feel desperate. And, and when you feel like you, you can't say no to some opportunity, you'll do things that don't really align with who you are and they can have really bad consequences. So that makes me really sad. I hope he's at peace wherever he is in the universe. Yeah. It sucks. It's also just like fame in general seems to be just, um, you know, very dangerous to people's lives. It's funny. I hear people say that. And in my mind, I'm like, it does sound dangerous. I would still like some, like a little bit. Like, a, like if I get it. Not full Whitney. You want no. to change or, or Whitney, Brittany, you know, Amy Winehouse. I don't know if they were going to battle demons, whether they were famous or not famous or yeah. not. Are you going to be battling demons? And are you going to get into this, like, not a good place and end up dying? You know, what? it's kind of confusing. I think that it is the fame. I think that is really hard to handle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw this 
Swift documentary, and I'm not a Taylor Swift. I wasn't a Taylor Swift fan, but it kind of made me like her out of the blue. Like I've been a hater for the longest time in the whole world. And all of a sudden I watched her documentary and I'm like, hey. That's so funny. I used to loathe Taylor Swift. I don't know. I just felt like she was the patron saint of I'm not like other girls' girls. Like I just am. Yeah, I've heard about her a lot. She pissed me off. Her face made me mad. Just everything was so pretty and perfect. And she was like, this guy got the best of me. And I just didn't like anything. But then I just like watched this documentary. It was so good. Really, really good. And it really reminded me that she's a songwriter and she's written bangers and she's she's gone through a whole lot. All she ever wanted to do was you know, sing songs. And I think like, I really do think that the media painted this picture of her Mm -hmm. and she talks about like an eating disorder and talks about like her physical, you know, trying to be, and then being, Oh, you're too pretty. You're too this. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny. You're too skinny. You're not. And I'm like, yeah, it, it couldn't have been easy. Especially at such a developmental stage, you know, at 17, having grown adults talking about your body and how to and who you're dating, you know, or like even like having people in your circle who let you meet and date John Mayer, you know, like why wasn't anyone stopping that? (laughs) Why was she allowed? I just why are you allowed at 19 to date 30 year old John Mayer? Like, why wasn't anyone looking out? I don't know. And she has this really close relationship with her mom, as I found out on her documentary, according to her documentary. And, um, you know, that that was cute to like see that like she had this protector, which was her mom. But then it's like your mom can only do so much if you're so rich. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Esther, I got a question for you. If you could like like wave a magic wand and get to the exact level of notoriety or fame you would want, what would that look like for you? Like, cause for me, it would be famous enough. Anyone who comes to a show actually know who's who I am because it's the worst when people are like, Oh, you're actually good. And like, I like, did, did you not look this up? I would love to be there, but not ever, never recognize at an airport ever, never recognize at an airport. I just, I just sit quietly in first class and mind my business. Um, I have a following that's like really great, but never tries to find me. And, <laughs> and I never have to worry about money, but I also never get sued. Like right in between. What would that look like for you? Oh, okay. Well, I like how you described it. Definitely number one is like going to a show and being like all of I call my fans molesters. I just do that in <laughs> private. Um, <laughs> the molesters are out. And I feel like, you know, definitely you don't want paparazzi or crowds of people at all. Yeah, like a little bit of a peacefulness. And I like probably like the fame of a character actress where you're like, I've seen you on a couple of things and you're funny, but you're not like all up in their personal business. But Mm. I also think like someone like Adam Sandler, I've never seen him in the tabloids. I've never seen, you know, I feel like he gets to like walk around and people are just like, hi, I, I, I do feel like there's some celebrities that just kind of avoid the, the craziness of fame somehow. Have you looked up the hashtag Adam Sandler in public? No. Is he just the worst dresser that is ever, he like wears sweatpants and boxers and stained t-shirts with holes and bleach stains and. 
it's kind of a trending thing on TikTok now where people have realized that like his last 10 or 15 public appearances, he's been wearing like the exact same oversized gray sweatshirt and shorts. So like <laughs> people kind of have this theory. So ugly. People have this theory that he purposely wears the exact same shitty outfit. So it's just not exciting to post a pic. You know what I mean? Like you get the picture one time and then what's the difference if you get another picture of him looking exactly the same the next time you see him? <laughs> I see a picture of him in a North Face, huge North Face hoodie and like the ugliest shorts you've ever seen. He's just like, I think he's intentionally dressing as heinous as possible, which is <laughs> it's really an inspiration for all of us. Why even try? <laughs> People have photoshopped it into a full on dress. I mean, I just, he great. does. Those are some it's giant a- ass shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like I like that, like an an Adam Sandler vibe to everything, which is like maybe I'm famous, but I am gonna wear these heinous outfits. (laughs) (laughs) You're not gonna want a picture of this. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that idea a lot. So speaking on, uh, you know, getting to know you more. So this is my favorite part of the show. This is what I build the entire show around. This is the playlist of your life. So Esther Steinberg, as my guest today, I want you to tell me five songs that tell me who you are. Go ahead. Start wherever you want. Number five, number one, whatever works. We'll start with Bill Withers' Lovely Day. I was really, really, really obsessed with the song. I had heard it a bunch throughout my life and then just kind of ignored it because it's just such a great song that it's almost like something you don't even think about. It's just like, yeah, of course, that song. And then um, I was trying to think of a wedding song and I was going through like every song in my head to be like, what's going to be our first dance? And music is really important to me and it was really important. I go to this like Shabbat dinner with music people. I'm, I'm friends with a couple like musicians. And afterwards they had a jam session, which is the cool thing of hanging out with musicians is sometimes they're like, let's go to the studio. And someone gets on a piano and someone starts singing. I'm just like the observer of it all. Totally not a singer musician, but I did play a song for them on my guitar, which was really like my dumb song anyways so then they start playing this one song and i'm like wait i know this and somehow when someone's like playing it on a piano you're like wait i know this song i know this and they start singing it and like the lyrics just came to me of just not to me the song is not like cheesy or corny it's just that like every day i wake up next to you and it's a lovely day and it i was about to get married and it was one of those things where i'm like oh yes this resonates it's just like about the everyday i think that marriage can have a minutiae to it mm-hmm. you're waking up to the same person but it's that's what makes it lovely i don't know i'm so cheesy and um anyways i don't think that's I- cheesy at I heard it at this Shabbat dinner jam session. Afterwards, I told my fiance at the time, and I'm like, what do you think of Lovely Day? And he was like, because we had been tossing around ideas for the wedding song a lot. And uh, he was like, it's perfect. I love it. And we were both like, it's perfect. I love it. And then we did, um, we hired a choreographer and did like a couple of dance classes. And I really wanted to do like a little bit of a dirty dancing lift. (laughs) and so we did we choreographed the shit out of this song 
And then when we went to, when we had our wedding, they played, we had a band and they played Lovely Day. And it's one of those songs that everyone knows, but I think that they forget just how amazing the song is. But mm-hmm. I do think at the wedding, they were playing some kind of slightly other re rendition because um, some of the steps were off and it's not my fault. Um, but it's just the best song in the whole wide world. And now I listen to all kinds of people like, oh yeah, and then we found our apartment. So it's like kind of the first apartment that we got at, after we got married and it's on Withers Street. Ooh. Ooh, signs. I love that. See, I think when I then he just passed away, he just passed away like that. We got on Withers Street. We had our lovely day. Now he's he passed. So it all happened this past year. And I'm like, Bill Withers, Bill Withers, you guys. And everyone's like, Yeah, we got it. Like we're aware. I'm like, Can I tell you guys of a great artist? They're like, We're good. We know who Bill Withers is. He is fantastic. He's one of those people, though. I think a lot of people know his songs and but don't know his name or like no you know what I mean not in like this huge super well-known like on like a Marvin Gaye level like there's just a lot of people who who don't know Lovely Day is a great song I have to ask you this when you were picking the first dance song were you worried about being cliche or picking something other people chose I didn't want to pick I didn't want anything cliche I was like really trying to not be the song that everyone and I'm I'm pretty sure that Although Lovely Day would totally be everyone's wedding song. For some reason, I had never seen it or never heard of anyone having that as their song. See, that's the funny thing about the wedding pressure. And I'm so excited about your special because I know you talk, you touch on that too. And like all the feeling, because you, (laughs) you know, it's like before the internet, you only had your actual friends to reference. So if like you couldn't think of someone who had done something, then so be it. Like, you know what I mean? It would be no big deal. I remember thanks to evil ass Pinterest and being bored in college. I remember being like 20 years old and having a Pinterest board and picking my colors. And then at 21 going to my friend, mind you, I don't get married for another eight years, but at 21, I go to my friend's wedding and her colors are gold and pink. And I'm like, I want a golden pink. How dare she choose gold and pink? Like someone's going to care when I get married, if we both have gold and pink. No, no one cares. I was pink and different shades of pink pink and pink (laughs) blush and bashful yeah something like that sure it was i wanted everything pink i thought it was romantic Mm -hmm. like a blush and bashful pinky whatever i got i got what i wanted i mean whatever now i'm like oh who gives a shit (laughs) in retrospect it doesn't matter but at the time it matters so much right yeah and I, I wanted it to have like the flowers be like pinks and reds and different color pinks and different color reds. And I just wanted it to be very romantic. And it was. I think oh. pink is the best. My parents' color was pink too. Oh, see, that's sweet and very sentimental. I love that. Um, with Lovely Day, that's I, I like what you said about the minutia of, uh, by the way, minutia. I've never used that word before. Is it like monotony? And are we using it the same way? Minutia? To me, I, I could be like dumb and using it wrong, but it's like the, to me, it means like, yeah, you wake up and then we have our coffee and then we do this. It's like monotony, I guess, but it's more like the repetitive things. Monotony feels like, okay, you have to circle this X and X this circle. Like, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. 
I don't know. I love but it. Though. I really, yeah, it's a it's a good song. Lovely day, lovely day, and I have the dance to it. I think as soon as you do the dance, <laughs> I want to see your dance now. I I love that y'all like went through with having a choreographer and like really put oh. a lot of heart into it. I have some videos of the dance I can share. There's one video of me in rehearsal, which I we didn't even like finish the song. We just did a little rehearsal and I think it's so sweet because it's us in rehearsal together. And I kind of like that video just as much as the actual performance. Although I did the lift and then later on in the wedding, I was like, do another lift. And that's when he hurt himself. So that was fun. Tell me, you can't just say that. Tell me the story. I jumped onto him. I jumped onto him like, let's do another lift. And then his back was like, you know, I heard his back. We're not young. <laughs> we didn't get married. In our he was in his thirties. Well, he, whatever. I, I feel bad. I, that's the other part is that I feel bad because we did like two lifts that weren't even part of it that like, happened later on in the night. And I felt bad. I oh, that is the comedian in you. You were on a roll. You were like, they're loving it. I'm bringing the heat. You know, I could do this yeah. closer, but you know what? I've got two more in me. And there you I was like, I also, yeah, I mean, I went really hard. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Uh, I love that energy for both of you. I'm glad he's okay, right? It wasn't like a major injury. Did he slip anything? Uh, or both have back pain for the rest of our lives. Like we're both chronic back painters. Anyone who doesn't have back pain to me, get the fuck out. Like, who are you? You don't have back pain. You're not my friend. <laughs> I love that song. So that's our number one track. Uh, Bill Withers, Lovely Day. I mean, I see, I see why you said that maybe it was off with the band. Was the band off or do you just love the original so much? I think I love the original so much that but the band was just doing it their own way and i was like no do it the <laughs> way that you know i don't want to hear your funky rendition i don't want i don't want a variation no Sing remake i want you to do an impression of bill withers <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes like if you're singing at my wedding i need you to do an impression of of all this you know like i don't want to hear it Sand was so good. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's your number four song? What else would you like to tell us? Okay. Um, okay. I walked down. This is like another wedding thing. I walked down the aisle to Halo. I'm sorry. It's lame. But I'm it's not lame. This is okay. You know what? This is this might be our first playlist that has like actual hits on it, right? Because everybody wants to be so indie, and they're like, "I'll give you a YouTube link to this song that was recorded in a basement." There's only one recording of it. It has zero views. Uh, you'll be and I can't find the shit and put it on the playlist later. I'm like, "What is this? You made it up." So you're yeah, actually giving reminds me of my first kiss. <laughs> so like. Not to, I'm never braggy or name droppy, but why not? Um, I have a couple friends that are musicians and they, I've gotten close with a couple. And um, <laughs> anyways, one is a writer and his name is Evan Bogart. And he, I later found out after meeting him and being friends with him that he was the writer of the song Halo. So I've like 
he's just a nice cool dude who happened to write halo and give and then beyonce did it so it's like really really means a lot that i somehow first i was obsessed with the song then i saw it on girls in the like wedding scene and they were like dancing in the show girls hbo i was mm -hmm. like oh that's cool that it's at a wedding and then i was like well no that's cheesy that's cheesy i can't do it at my wedding because that would be like cheesy but then i was like actually i want people to walk down to this um song so i was like actually we'll do it again i i still don't think that like the song was nailed i almost wish that they just pressed play on a cd I think you should have had a DJ. I think listening, if anybody's planning a wedding, I feel like you're making a good, no offense to the band, but you're making a good case for a DJ because it's like, if you're, if you love a the song, the way you heard it. I want a Beyonce to sing me down the aisle. Well, don't we all? I mean, <laughs> but like, that's what I, but I even just, okay. Like it doesn't take that just, yeah. I, I have no regrets on the band. However, yeah, maybe you can do a combo of like a band and also, shh, I'm going to press play now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would be great if you, if you would had been able to get like a Beyonce impersonator. So like they know that's what they're hired to do. Because I'm sure with a band, especially to like, now, you know, if you're a band, you're an artist, you're still trying to do your own art and get discovered for being you. So someone can be like, they've got a great sound. If you do too good of a cover, no one remembers you. I don't think Beyonce impersonator would have gone with my wedding just because it was just like super traditional Jewish wedding. And like the fact that I I did, we did like the horror and things like that. And I'm like, and can you play Halo? Like I was asking them to do the wrong song. <laughs> like it was like a Jewish klezmer band and I'm like, and also Halo. And it's like, why did I even, but there's a piano version of Halo that I find to be like ridiculously beautiful because sometimes when you've heard a song thousands of times, mm -hmm. when you hear the piano version, you almost, I don't know, there's something really beautiful that happens in your brain where you hear the actual, it's just so, yeah. It's stripping away the extra elements on top of it and getting it down to like what it is at its core. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's like it's like you're taking off extras and you're seeing that it's still beautiful underneath when it's just the hardwood floors, if you will. You know, like just bare. I love that. Like the piano covers as opposed to just, you know, because there's a lot of production to Beyonce's Halo. Like there's a lot going on with it. Yeah. But then it's just the piano and you you can like kind of hear her voice in your head. I don't know. I fucking love it. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. There are no wrong answers on this show. You never have to defend a choice, especially when it's me and Beyonce. Like, I, like, oh I, God, I, so I the best, best thing I'd ever seen is she goes to a hospital and there's mm -hmm. a guitar player and it's just like her in a hospital. I think it may have been like a children's hospital and she sings it acapella and it like makes me cry when I watch it. You could YouTube Beyonce at the hospital singing Halo and she hits these notes her voice is so powerful, but I swear it's just someone holding up their phone and videotaping it. Like, it's unreal. I think I'm such a sucker for strip away the curtain, strip away the outfit, strip it all away, guitar guy and Beyonce. And then there was, like, maybe some, like, other women doing backup, which love. Yeah. And it was so special. Oh, my gosh. Makes you want to be a dying kid, doesn't it? Like, why wasn't I in the kids? They always get to me. 
Freaking Make-A-Wish kids, they got it made. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. They get to see, I mean, whoever was in that hospital. But you know what? I get to watch it on YouTube. <laughs> so who really wins? Like, you get to keep your spleen and watch it. Like, that's great. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a, a fantastic song. A fantastic song choice, I think. I love that these were both your wedding songs. So we got What You Walked Down the Aisle and then your first dance. Those were such special moments, you know? You're never going to forget that. So and my like, I was really going for, like, a tearjerker wedding. And I had people, like, one at a time be like, I all during your vows. Oh. Why did I want people to cry so bad? I, I like really pushed the emotion to get like I got tears going everywhere. People were like, I never cry at weddings and I was crying and I was like, thank you. But why do I care if you fucking cry? <laughs> I like that you're so introspective enough to think about that. Like, why do you? But OK, question. So you're both comedians. You're getting married. Did you have people expecting your wedding to be funny? Maybe like the speeches really had to bring it. And we did. um like the rehearsal dinner, we set it up like it was a comedy show. It was at a Jewish community center. So whatever, it's just like this blank room. And it was the night before the wedding. And we did the, um, I said, I want it to be set up like a fake comedy club. So we put like different comedians that we all, that me and my husband love that have influenced us. And each table had like a different comedian, like Joan Rivers or whatever, George Carlin or like all these famous comedians. And then it said like two drink minimum. And like <laughs> we, we put a we put a couple of like cheesy things. It was like, don't leave without proof of purchase, like all these fake like comic club stuff. And then we actually had the speeches were really funny. Like Yamanika Saunders did a speech at my wedding. Um, I don't know. We had funny, we had really funny people and they were like roasting us basically. Oh, I did a roast too. Cause my husband and I, we met both doing stand up. Uh, he writes now, he doesn't do stand up anymore, but we did a roast for our rehearsal dinner. And oh, our family, we asked our families and friends to do it, but they got intimidated because all our comedian friends were on it. So only right. our comedian friends did the roast. And they just like, one of them, he's a comic out of, out of LA. And he goes, I've got a joke, but I'm pretty sure it's inappropriate and I shouldn't say it. And my dad was like, say it. And he's like, Mr. Ellis, are you sure? And he was like, say it. And he was like, um, you know, it's the basically the gist of it was that um, my husband, his dad should be so proud that he's not gay, which was stupid. And then he goes, and I'm just surprised Jasmine has a dad. And my whole black family goes, like, <laughs> you could just see you could just see it all over his face. He wanted to crawl out of his skin and run away. And I was like, honey, you didn't have to do this. You really did. <laughs> you had choice. Wow. We had one moment in my wedding where someone walked out and it was because my gay best friend did a speech. And it was so funny. He was talking about how he was doing the speech, not because, but because he wanted representation. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't have any agents there but he made that joke and then he said something about making out with an israeli soldier wearing tefillin and i guess there was a couple of religious people there that did not like that at all oh. tefillin is like a prayer that you like wrap around your body and it's very religious super religious and then they were like 
idea of like him, him, he's like something, something when I made out with an Israeli soldier wearing tefillin. And that was what set people off. <laughs> Just a couple of people. I think it's a, always a good wedding when you have like a little kerfuffle in speeches. A little like, like whatever, make it interesting. I've been to one Orthodox Jewish wedding. It was my best friend in high school and they like had it super set up where like the women and the men didn't dance together. Like there was like a wall That's, between yeah, us. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. That's crazy. I'm not familiar. Like I'm, I know what you're talking about very much and it's crazy, but, yeah. but I always say the best twerking happens when the men aren't around. <laughs> uh, it was so like, <laughs> I wish there was twerking. I was the only, I was like, it wasn't a lot of young people around. And, and he like, he explained the dress code very thoroughly to me. Like my dress, my shirt had to go over my elbow and like explained it. Like, like you could only show from like your wrist to the elbow. And this Jewish elder came up to me afterwards and I was the only black person there. And so I didn't expect, you know what I mean? I, people are going to look at you. They just are. And he goes, this skin, I like it. And I was like, thank you, sir. Oh my God. I will, I, I will never forget I'm that as well. for everyone involved in that. <laughs> Go but out your fault, make friends with someone else that doesn't look exactly like you. Challenge. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, but it looks, it looks like you had like so much fun. So you guys, you guys did the horror and like the, what is it called with the chairs? I, I, I don't want to sound ignorant. Chairs. Everyone should have it. Everyone should get lifted in chairs. Who cares? Go for it. Have you ever seen someone fall? Muslim. No. But what happened was my husband's so big, like he's a huge dude, 6'4", yeah. like 240 something. And so everyone, like all the guys went to his chair to help him knowing that he's a big dude. And so mm -hmm. I got, I got no one. Like I got like the scrawniest, weakest of the bunch because it wasn't evenly dispersed. So his chair was like flying up because he had like nine strong men lifting him up. And then I had like an 80 year old grandma and you know, a 14 year old boy. I mean, he is a, a big guy. He, he, he looks like this is, this is why your baby's ripped. Like he's a solid man. <laughs> yeah, but that means that my chair lifters were terrible. My, one of my favorite pictures from my wedding, I didn't like, I wasn't, completely in love with the pictures that they took right before the wedding. They were snapping some photos. Like I was like, whatever the ones that are candid of us and li being lifted in the air. That's one of my favorite photos. Cause I look like euphoric. I'm like, instead of like <laughs> posing and trying to look beautiful under the chuppah with a veil, like it's just so tense trying to get like a perfect picture and all the pictures that were, I guess, posed really, I hated like me flying in the air. I'm like, I love that picture. Oh, I, like I love that. I love the, the, just looking back on the good and the bad and the stress. And there's going to be so many other emotions and feelings, but it's so worth it afterwards. It's funny though. Have you noticed that like, there is this movement, there a little bit of like an anti-wedding movement where people are like, weddings are dumb and they're expensive. And they kind of try to like, I don't want to say, sh I feel like people try to shame people for liking it. I think it's perfectly okay to not want one, but if you're broke, just say that. Like, don't make the rest of us feel bad because yeah. <laughs> we want something fancy. Yeah, and 
whatever. It's not, it's your day. So everyone, you know, if you don't want to come, don't come. I, I don't know. I'm just like, you get to plan one night for yourself plan it, do everything you've ever wanted to. Don't you want to do a roast? You want to do a this, you want to do a lift, do it all because soon you'll be, your back will hurt and you'll be like gained all that weight back and you'll just be sitting around being like, Oh yeah, that picture of me on my wedding getting lifted. <laughs> like I just <laughs> get, 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 make all your dreams come true. And then get on with your fucking dumb life. <laughs> That's what I'm naming the episode. Make all your dreams come true and get on with your fucking dumb life. <laughs> what, you were talking about, what can you like leave college kids with or what can you educate with an audience? Like that statement alone, make your dreams come true and then get on with your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just move along. Have your wedding and move along. Next wedding. Yeah, next wedding. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem like that. Some people have several shots at this. I <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So take me to your next song. What uh? What is your third song that tells a story of your life? At least so not, far. Yeah, not to. I feel like I'm talking about Judaism a lot, which is something I'm trying to avoid, but I'll never be able to avoid. Um, Matisseau, King Without a Crown. It was banger. <laughs> I have no idea what people think about Matisseau. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Do you know Matisse? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So okay, I told I you about know that. Anyone knows of him, or if I'm like crazy. His album Live at Stubbs was my favorite yeah. album when I was a senior in high school. Okay, so Thank I told you, you about so going to senior high school. I'm a junior in high school, senior in high school. I'm like right, I was born in 1990, so we're like right next to each other. Yeah. And I experienced, because I grew up in Tampa, this is mm -hmm. a place where there really, really aren't Jews. There's a sprinkled amount. Um, I experienced a little bit of like anti-Semitism or like bullying. I don't know if, I don't know what to call it. But I got made fun of for being Jewish. I know I don't know if that's like full blown anti semitism or just people being a dick and using me being Jewish. I don't care. I don't know. But I remember this song came out and there was like this Jewish rapper and it really helped me be more proud of who I was and think it was cool to be Jewish all of a sudden. Like Yahoo made it. And he was using like religious words and things. And I just liked it a lot. So that meant a lot to me. And then I saw him live and he was amazing. He really Oh, and is. someone for my birthday gave me like an old Matisseau shirt. So I'm like, I'm like famously known to be obsessed with him. And I kind of liked wanted to hook up with him, but now I don't want to. He was like on my free pass. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, free passes are so great. Um, I I ruined mine though because my husband says I chose someone too accessible. He was like, "You can't." I chose Damon Wayne's Jr. Oh. No, Damon too accessible, right? A stand-up, you know what I mean? Like one or two. He's like, "You're one weekend at the Funny Bone away from working with him. That doesn't work. You need so." <laughs> Why not? Go get it. I I see. That's the thing. Is like the point of a hall pass is that you're supposed to use it. But apparently it was supposed to be ideological. It wasn't supposed to be. Has anyone ever used their hall pass? I don't think so. That's a good movie. It's like a husband and wife are like, that's it. We're gonna have sex with Rihanna. <laughs> 
and Rihanna's actually down, and they just like panic and can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like calling his wife. He's like, "You're sure?" And Rihanna's like, "Are we doing this?" <laughs> it's a ten minute short. Yeah, there's like there's Fenty for him. She's like, "Put the draws on. Go ahead and muck around." All of a sudden, they're super intimidated. They don't want to do it. Matisse, yeah, that's so funny. That you asked that. That's so funny that you asked that if I knew Matisse Yahoo because I told you about that Jewish wedding I went to. So that was for my friend Jeremy, and Jeremy knows this now. So if he listens to the podcast, he'll know. But like, I was in love with this boy. I was in love with this boy when we were in high school. We're best friends now, but we're like, you know, just just friends. And I like where where did you go to high school? I went to high school in Arlington, Texas, and there was like one Jewish guy that went to the school and he became like one of my friends. And he like, he wore a kippah and, a, and a, a, later on a talit and like was like, like really observant. Wow. <laughs> he went Super. all out. Yes. Oh my gosh. Funny, funny story. Do you know Jenny Zagrino? Yes, of course. I love her to death. She's one of my best friends. When she went to my wedding, I, I tried to make my tables. I, I really tried to do this just at random and just put groups of people together who I thought were like young and some single people. I put Jenny and Jeremy at the same table and all night they kept teasing me about having a Jewish table. And I didn't do this on purpose. But Jeremy is so orthodox that he does not eat after certain times on Friday because it's considered Saturday, like the Sabbath, right? And and has to kosher food. And I tried, but I in Texas, I could not find a kosher. Yeah. Um, you're not eating tonight. I tried to, and I told him, I said, buy whatever you want and I will pay for it as, as you know, your gift. You're my guest. You came in from Israel, you know? And I told him, we'll pay for whatever, like whatever you want. Girl, why did he eat bagels and locks? He was just sitting in a corner eating bagels and locks by himself at my wedding. And Jenny was like, so this is how you treat your Jewish friends. You just. <laughs> <laughs> he probably really liked it. I swear, like Jewish people like the most boring, like bagel and locks. They couldn't be happier. If I yeah. delivered a bagel and locks to my husband, I think he'd be happier than if I like roasted a turkey and made like fresh sides and salads and all that, all that. No, he'd prefer a bagel. <laughs> I was just like, and everybody's eating these, these nice five quart dinners and he's just chomping on a bagel. And he's like, I had the best time, you know, like it was. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jews are not known for their delicious food. Leave them alone. <laughs> Eat your bagel, go home move along that's nice of him to come and all that and eat his bagel whatever <laughs> your bagel you're amazing <laughs> but i'm sure growing up in florida like being one of the only jewish people at your school and just kind of feeling like underrepresented did you feel it did you grow up feeling like underrepresented and like overrepresented because i find that when someone's the only something at their school all of a sudden you have to speak for everyone yes, so i became like uh, a spokesperson for Judaism, 100%. I was just like, you got a question about Jews? Come to me. You got a problem with Jews? Attack me. Like I was the Jew. <laughs> That's interesting. Yahoo made, made me feel like Jews could be cool and rap. And it, and it just did something for me at that moment. You know, 17-year-old, 16-year-old Esther was obsessed i mean it's good music I, it is a little strange that he was rapping like i believe in patois like with a almost jamaican 
And like now that I like have feelings about appropriation, I'm like, how do I feel about? But then again, I don't know when you're also part of an underrepresented group and you're just, I mean, musically, it just sounded good. It just sounded yeah. really good. And his, sto- his story is really interesting in general. It's really, really a crazy story of like, he found God, but also found music and then was like, how do I be this person and also a musician? And then he was very much supported by this Orthodox Jewish movement then he got a little famous. They were like dictating what he does and who he does it with and get him married and things like that. And then he got divorced and like really didn't want to do the things that the religious leaders were telling him to do and and broke off from the like super orthodox. And now is just kind of regular Jew. And he was regular Jew like I'm regular Jew. I don't know. Someone who's not orthodox and mm-hmm. not being controlled by like Jewish leaders, just kind of living mm-hmm. your truth or yourself i don't know whatever so now he does music and he's more casual with his religion i think but maybe he'll go back i don't know i think i just at the time it helped me what's like a second music lesson i did not know there was like a religious um kind of like control over what he did but that's interesting because it happens a lot with pop stars you know yeah the jonas brothers having to wear purity rings and talk about their virginity Like, if people think they can make you the spokesperson for a thing, they hold on to that and it can like lift you up, but then also bring you down. Because if you do anything out of that context whatsoever, then you're in trouble and you're, you kind of belong to people. You know, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, like I always say, you're making a God out of man when he hates who you want them to hate. You know, if you're like, we we talk about God as being this non-judgment, this like, this being that like loves and understands. And then human beings are like, here's all the things I do not understand about you and don't love. Can you change? Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot to unpack. (laughs) It's like, let's bring it in. Yeah, he was, he was definitely being controlled. I mean, enough of Matisse. He's... I I don't know what's happening with him currently. So I don't know if I can even get behind him or whatever he's doing now. He's, I do appreciate that he's evolving, always evolving. Wow. He's a different person than he was when he first came out. He's changed. He's like, okay with being different. And I think now he's trying to like lift other artists. Common Kings is someone Mm -hmm. like they're Hawaiian and do music and stuff. Common key, another one. I love when I walk away from this, like learning more about an artist I didn't know about. Because I always say that this show is for the casual music observer. You don't have to be the nerd that knows everything about everything that ever happened. Half the time, I am actively googling as I talk to you people, and that's why I appreciate (laughs) you for listening to me. We're all we're just people who love music, you know. And and I'm excited to check out Common Kings. I really am. So, all right. So you give me three songs. We've got two more. You ready? Okay. Um, so this is really weird. Casadega by Tom Petty. Tom Petty has deep Florida roots. And it was my, my mom worships Tom Petty. And he was actually best friends with Gary Shanling. Which is really mm-hmm. weird that his best friend was a comedian. Anyways, the song Casadega is about him going to Casadega, which is this really weird, funky, spiritual part of 
Florida and getting his palm read and whatever, I don't know, telling him his future and his past. And I went to Casadega with my mom and sister and we had um, a story where we were doing an orb tour, which is where you take pictures in this place that you're supposed to get orbs it sounds really weird in your photos like little circles that are like ghosts or whatever what yeah so it, was like a, it was like a ghost tour so sometimes when you take a picture you have a like a circular little blob and they call that an orb and basically what this woman was saying in this really weird crazy virtual is called a day is that ghosts will show up in your photos and she was going to take us to a place that had a lot of like connection to ghosts and spirits and so i went and i held my mom's hand and my sister's hand and some people took pictures of us in between these two trees and we were like trying to get an orb trying to get an orb and then all of a sudden this crazy like one two three orb popped up exactly where we were standing so it was this like freaky ghost picture and I showed it to the lady and she goes, that's an orb. That's a plume right there. That is an orb. And she like confirmed. <laughs> and I think again, like the spooky spiritual palm reader tarot card part of me was just so heard and seen that day. And like, I felt like all these weird coincidences and we got an orb in our photo. And then of course, like Tom Petty has a song about it happening to him at the same location that we were. Can I burst your bubble real quick? Please. Okay, so I looked this up. According to psychicnews.org, <laughs> among the many hit records by Tom Petty, the American rock musician, singer, and songwriter who died in October, one might be one might be said to have been spirit inspired, but not in a conventional way. It's about the Casadega spiritualistic camp in Florida, Petty's home state. Surprisingly, it seems Petty never visited Casadega. He even misspelled its name, but learning of its existence was enough to inspire the words to the song Casadega, which the, he co-wrote with Mike Campbell and immortalized musically. Um, so there are all types of kinds of psychics and fortune tellers, Petty explained later when they asked about its meaning. It's this really small place, and I wrote that putting myself there in the mind of someone who went to Casadega. Although I spelled it wrong. Poetic license, I guess. He sings of hanging on every word of the psychic. So it keeps going from there, but basically he never actually went. Uh, so you had this amazing I experience. This podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, I'm you, hey, you're realer than Tom Petty. Like you were actually there. You did it. I can't wow. believe you. you said one, two, three orbs. So there's like three on the picture and then there was three yeah, orbs. It's like three in a line and it looks like a plume. I can send you the photo. Oh my God. I creepy love out. I want to see it. I want very creepy, very otherworldly and ghostly. And then I started looking into like, videos of like orbs and animals and orbs and babies and paranormal Ooh. anyways tom petty is a feels like my mom's person it feels like florida it feels like americana it just like i fucking love tom petty i'm from his whole thing and i also can play a couple tom petty songs on the piano What's your favorite? Free falling because oh, yes. or I won't Free back down. Falling. Yeah. It's just, I mean, this is like music that I feel like I was raised on and like played in the car a lot. 
Mm-hmm. It's an American heartland sound. It's just you. It's one of those things like I grew up not even knowing who made the songs, but like I knew American Girl. I just always liked that song. And I listen to Nicasa Danga. That is kind of exciting. I love I love learning about the connection to the woo woo. Question Have you seen the movie Possession? No. Okay. Maybe do you get freaked out easily by horror movies or no? 100% yes. Okay, don't watch it. Okay, I I get scared of horror movies really bad. And I remember seeing this in the theaters. And what really creeped me out about Possession is like it's all I think Matisya who's in the film actually come to think of it full circle it's about this girl who gets this box at a yard sale that has this like Jewish spirit in it and I checked with Jeremy and like everything all the references they use are real to like Jewish um understandings of like demons and how they can be like captured and and controlled like what a demon and anyways the end of the movie just includes like a five minute a uh, reel of different clips of real people being exercised like in Brazil and in in Europe and stuff like demons coming out of people and like all the references they make in the movie are like from Judaism and like in the so like <laughs> it just gave me the heebie-jeebies and I was thinking about you know if your Casadega thing is real and then there's like there's totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's only a couple of of mute like songs that can take me back to a place where I'm feeling woo woo or spirits or ghosts, you know. And Casadega is hundred percent it. That's woo. Even if have you been? I haven't visited since I had my experience. <laughs> you're like so you like box and you're done. You're good on that for now. I think I'm all good. <laughs> But maybe there'll be more. I don't know. So we talked about the spiritual. We talked about weddings. We talked about your walk down the aisle. We talked about uh, growing up different. Tell me one more song that can tell us a little bit about you. Um, I mean, the next thing I just like don't. I can't really pick a song, but. I am obsessed with Drake. I think he lifts me when I listen to him. I think he makes music for bad bitches. Um, I just cannot get enough of him. And it's embarrassing because there's no one more popular than him. But I guess emotional, maybe. He just... Or what's that song from Scorpion? Um, that God, he Scorpion had twenty eight tracks or some shit. It, it's it's so it good. My favorite album. It's there's a couple. There's one song that's um he's talking about like impressing people on Instagram and stuff like that. This one girl went to Rome and all she did is send pictures to people at home. Like I just like I, I like. Hate that. I know what you're talking about, and I hate that song. I don't know why it just. <laughs> you know what it is? I can't stand. Drake has built a business model of like, like if he wasn't a rapper, I think he'd be one of those guys on YouTube who are like, ladies, here's what you're not doing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's constantly talking to us. Yes, <laughs> but, but he also wants love and, and like saves handbags for his future wife and like jewelry. But yeah, it's just, it's, I, I have, you know what? Kim Kardashian. 
I could still see that. And a Scorpio Libra combo is actually really good. Um, <laughs> that would that would push Kanye over the edge. That would be the end of Kanye. It would be. I know they just divorced. By the way, how much do you keep up with the Kardashians? A lot. So when I freelance, like I have a little day gig between comedy gigs and I don't even know how long I can keep it, but I freelance in the makeup stores and Kim Kardashian has like her whole aisle of her like body. All of the makeup's trash, by the way. It's legitimately bad makeup, but like, it's just like from a makeup artist standpoint. She had this eyeshadow palette that was called the Wedding Palette and it had like a picture of that. Yes. With the so, roses. And it was such a beautiful, like, marketing. You know, mm-hmm. she does such beautiful pictures, but she's not wearing the makeup. No, she can't be because the makeup didn't exist. And her makeup artist even, like, put out what he used. He used, like, Guerlain and YSL. Well, here's what I think is hilarious is she's still selling the exact same palette. They just changed the name of it to, like, the Smoky Quartz palette instead of the Wedding palette. They just changed the name and got rid of it. Like, we had to, like, throw away the boxes with her wedding picture on What do we do with the W? Does everyone, do we just, like, erase W on KKW? You're right, because it's still KKW. Maybe she won't change her name because her kids are West. You know, it's not going to be like North. That'd be crazy if she changed her name. Like, change. You can't change a kid's name after they're born out of pettiness, can you? No. no. <laughs> North Kardashian. I mean, Chris is still Jenner. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, yeah, Chris is still Jenner. Yeah, but Jenner is a whole other thing. Yeah, I know. It's just so much. <laughs> so much drama so crazy but yeah her her makeup sucks and she's fine with it skims is good i don't know have you bought skims no but i've heard a couple people really liking the underwear from skims i'm like this feels like i could get it at target like a jockey you know like uh you know the soft bras i'm so into but i can get it at target yeah exact bra that you're selling i feel like it's at target so I'm gonna let's pick a beat. Let's pick a song off of Scorpio. What is the one? I know what you're talking about. Is it Sandra's Rose? What is the one about the girl? Sandra's Rose is about his mom. Okay, yeah, but Drake's a. I, I have a discrimination against male water signs. I think that they are manipulative. <laughs> I think they're emotional but like don't know what to do with their emotions. So maybe that's why like, I just like roll my eyes at Drake, but also secretly love him. Just like, like not so secretly love him. I mean, how can you, how can you not love Drake? He's just great. Let's do emotionless or God's plan even. Ooh, okay. You got to pick emotionless or God's plan. Which one? Boop, boop, boop. Gun to your head real fast. Emotionless. Okay, that's the one. Emotionalist is going to close out our list of songs. Emotionalist. I'm so emotional. So to me, I'm like sensitive and emotional, but it's also potentially my superpower, you know, trying to make it. I think that people were making fun of him and calling him emotional or whatever. And then he did this Mm -hmm. song, a clapback to like, I just think he's really good. Maybe I have no taste. No, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have great taste. That's the thing. It's like, how do you not have taste when you like what everyone likes? It could it be that a lot of people are right instead of a few annoying people on Twitter being correct? Like, <laughs> yeah, instead of just a couple of haters, I mean, like, Drake sucks. And I'm like, Maybe yeah. the popular, sometimes the popular opinion is the right opinion. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, 
It's the bad bitch anthem. It's just what I need sometimes. I like listening to his voice. Now he is 100% on my, um, on my free pass. He's my hall pass. Ooh. <laughs> were you a Degrassi fan back in the cut? Because we're close to the same uh, age, so you would have been not it. really, but kind of. But the fact that he was like, just like a dorky wheelchair, like it was just that just makes me like him even more. Oh, it's oh just I have dork. He's just a dork. But lately, his pictures, he's kind of like his body is looking a little thick. Like his legs hurt all like thick and juicy and like Did you see him in the state farm commercial. <laughs> oh yeah, and he had like the heart shaved into his head. I just can't <laughs> help it. He's so cute. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, he's getting thick. He's getting thick in a good way. Like he's like yeah. soft. Putting on his quarantine pounds or i don't know i just love it i like that he did a whole music video in his synagogue i like that he like mentions yeshiva like that's another thing is he's another person who like sprinkles in judaism just like a tad bit just a sprinkle mm. seeing as mm. how he's raised by an, a jewish mom who's just like this little teeny tiny Jewish woman that probably yells at him all the time. There's like a video of him being yelled at by his mom being like, do you want tuna? I can make you a tuna sandwich. He's like, mom, I don't want tuna sandwich. And I'm like, that's who he is. <laughs> I <laughs> love <laughs> I I love that a lot. I love that you have a crush on him and that's an adorable uh, impression of her, his mother. I have to look that up. You know, I, I, I gotta give it to you. Drake is undeniably likable. Like he's even funny. He was great on SNL. He was a great host on there. He's sexy. I love his voice. I think his rhymes, sometimes I don't do a good job of processing what someone is saying, like their lyrics. Like I'll just listen to a song and be like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But I actually, somehow he gets me to listen to all of his lyrics. I don't know. I'm like, I'm always in the song with him. He's got a hold on the music industry. And it's, you know, I think it's it's easy now to like laugh it off, but like like rap is a career that isn't the easiest thing to hold on to for like, I mean, at 30, what, five? He's been dominating the charts for like over 15 years. Like that's a big deal. I remember also too, like, since you're born in 1990, then you remember like the summer of 2016. You remember the YOLO summer. You know what I mean? Where it was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you fancy and like, like just when Drake was, I mean, he's everywhere, but like when he was everywhere, like it's just, it's, an, it's a huge part of our development. You can't not love him. You just can't. Emotionless is a great song. It is where he acknowledges his son. Because do you remember the yeah. beef with the T where he yeah, like, like, I wasn't hiding my son from the world I was hiding in the world from my kid or something like that. Like everything about it is just like really sweet to me. I'm just such a sucker. I'm oh. usually, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, he's got me in a, a, a spell. I'm under his spell. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like I'm probably his fan base, which is just like, you know whatever and i i just yeah one day we're gonna fuck and it's gonna be amazing you listen to me no you listen to me we are gonna have drake sex me and drizzy 
and we're going to have, yeah, we're just, we're going to fuck once. I, I think you are the second person to make like, like you and Jenny both did basically like, like eighties wrestler. I'm going to fuck him. Like, you know, like an announcement. <laughs> Let me like, tell you this right now. I am fucking Drake until Drake, until Drake is going to write another bad bitch out uh, anthem. <laughs> oh, you know what my bad bitch song is for Drake? Honestly, this is on, I have a little playlist of songs that I listen to before going on stage to like get me in this headspace. Like, oh, yeah, I, have a hype, I have a hype playlist. What's your favorite song on yours first? Uh, I, like electric, like, I don't know, like a EDM song or something. I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. Something like pump up. I think that electric music gets me excited. What about, nice. What's yours? I've got Nice For What on there for yeah. sure. That is yeah. one of my favorites. Like, I just, I don't, it's just that nice for what to these, like, you know, like, why? Why would I be nice? Why would I put up with this shit? Like, I love that. What, is, it the, is that the one at the beginning of the intro? It's like, you want to pay me to do what or something you know that there's like one intro where they're like talking and he it must be like a clip from a movie or something but it's like ugh, i'm not doing a good job i think i know what you're talking about i think it's one of them has the clip from atlanta where v goes out with her friends and she's like i need a picture with drake all right my instagram is whack and i love yes, that is amazing <laughs> And then uh, I don't know if you remember that episode of Atlanta. It's so funny because when they go there, it's like $50 a person to get into the club. And there's a line of girls to take a picture with Drake. And then the picture is a black and white cutout of Drake. But if you take the picture with him and then put a black and white filter on it, it looks like you're in the picture. So everyone's still paying to get the yeah. same picture with Drake. <laughs> that would be I me. I, well, I, I am going to, I'm going I'm gonna have sex with him one day. I I love that you're married and like like saying this like with like conviction, you know? Like it's just gonna It's going <laughs> it's my one hall pass and it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm excited for you, honestly. I, I'm a little scared for Drake though. I feel like Drake should watch out. He should be scared. Drake doesn't know what's coming. Okay, so that is going to wrap up our Song of Your Life segment. We've got Drake, Nice for What, Bill Weathers, Lovely Day, Tom Petty, Casadega, which is one I haven't heard before, so I'm excited because I've got some research now. The only one that's not insanely popular. <laughs> I don't know if Monsters Yahoo came out of crown with, then again, it was up there. Like in 2007-ish, it might have been up there. Um, they're good songs. Sometimes things are popular because they should be you know <laughs> yeah and i've recognized that like maybe i think that i have taste but it's like this is what i like so i don't care it's what i like yeah so speaking of songs that we love i have a question that comes to us from brian he emailed me this and i just i loved it so i memorized it so brian asked if you could re-listen to one banger for the very first time. If you can re-experience a banger from, he did say your youth was the word he chose. And I was like, I'm gonna omit that because I'm still actively in my youth, fuck you. Mm -hmm. But uh, like, I mean, I'm still in my youth, but there was a younger youth. There was there was a younger youth that was, you know, 
you know, the summers between like 2010 and 2017, you know, when I was like, you know, a little bit more out and not 2017. I don't know, before I met my husband, before I settled down. (laughs) (laughs) They're just a different vibe. And the question is, if you could choose one song to re-experience for the first time, what would it be? That's such a hard question. Mm, probably like Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Like it's such an annoying song because it's been played so many times, but I actually just think it's like an amazing song. Do you remember what you, how old you were, like when you first heard it? No, but I think it was one of those things where like my mom played it. My mom liked it. So I liked it because my mom liked it. And like, or, oh, or Whitney Houston, um, I Will Always Love You. Like that's, and if it's just like, it's just such a crazy song. It's just such a crazy good song. And and her vocals are so good. So one of those to me, like shake me to like, an emotional thing like it makes me emotional to listen to those songs but like i think i've listened to them so much that it's it definitely lost its excitement in my I, soul that's a good answer because when something hits you maybe like it's when something hits you deep like that like in the first time it cracks open that can of emotions you don't even know are there like yeah. i remember that part where she goes um um and I wish you joy. And then it's like, yeah. and happy Ned. I don't know why, but it like sounds like, like she's a, like she's building up to cry. And that I remember being like eleven, having never experienced heartbreak, being like, yeah, <laughs> I wish you love. <laughs> and, and now, I mean, whatever. It's just so deep, and her voice is the best that anyone could ever sing ever. Mm-hmm. What can you no imagine? Way. Can you imagine just like being, I, there's a lot of songs too that I feel like I love that I got to hear them when I heard them, but like, I, I like to see what it would have been like to have been an adult who experienced love at that point. And then just to hear, if I, like, you know what I mean? When you haven't, when you've actually been there for the first time, it would take you yeah. to a different space for sure. Good pick. I didn't expect you to do that. I'm ready for someone to come with like, just read you know like i want to hear someone do whitney no one can no one can and no one ever will no amber riley did a pretty good cover on glee and i think that's as close as we're gonna get and i'm okay with that okay have you heard it Uh, no i'm like i'll be the judge of that (laughs) (laughs) i would like your opinion on amber riley's cover of of i will always love you and then the Glee Halo Walking on Sunshine mashup. I I would love your <laughs> I feel like you avoided Glee. Like you just like weren't in the Glee mix and we were not a full on Gleek. I didn't do Glee. It just didn't happen to me. I think I was busy when it was out. I, I'm surprised that you didn't get like Rachel Berry comparisons as just like a, a tiny plucky Jewish girl. No, no one was like, you remind no. me of this guy? I, just time Glee came out, but for some reason it was just not a time where I was at all tuned into television. Like now I know like every show, but I think I think I was potentially like in theater school or doing something mm-hmm. like up my ass was not attached to TV at the time. <laughs> it's weird. You like miss shows in the periods of your life that you're studying theater. 
<laughs> you act, so you were out there being Rachel Berry. You were like, I'm doing yeah, theater. Basically, but you were out there, I'm like, I'm doing this. Like, I don't need to watch people talk about it. I'm doing it. I love that. If I had one more chance to re-listen to a song first time, just to like answer the question, I'm going to go completely the opposite direction. And instead of going emotional, I'm going to go um, just that like, that yeah, I'm that bitch energy that you get when you hear certain songs. If I could rehear, if I could re-experience what I felt, I want to say it was like 2010 when Monster came out and I first heard Nicki Minaj's verse on that. And, you know, pull up at a hot Tonka color with Willy Wonka. What a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. You know, just that feeling you can be the king, but watch the queen conquer. Like, I, I I feel that way a little bit every time I hear it now, but to just like take myself back to exactly where I was in that moment and whatever test I suddenly was about to slander, whatever, whatever I was about to accomplish that day, whether it was parallel parking or not texting back a fuckboy, whatever was like a big deal to me in 2010, I just want to feel that feeling of invincibility, that pink wig, big, get fast, make, give them whiplash, you know? <laughs> Wait, like, that feeling that Nicki Minaj's monster gave me back, like, honestly, I, it's, when people say they don't like her, I'm just like, have you heard this first? I don't care that it's 20 years old. It's one of the, like, 20 years old. I don't care that it's 10 years old. It's one of the greatest verses, point blank, period. You know, and I'll argue with them all day about it. So I wish I could I be. Love, I love, I love Nikki, and I feel like she's. I don't know what it is about like right this moment in time. There's like other women, and I'm maybe the reason people don't like her is because she comes across as competitive instead of supportive of other women. And yeah. and there's no indication other than like we all know she is competitive. <laughs> like we don't. There's like you know. There's like wait, wait. Did she say something? It's like. What's you know, isn't it a little unfair that competitiveness is demanded of women yet discouraged in women? You oh, have to be competitive. You have to wear twenty two of like, you want to be hot. You don't want to be. You don't want to sleep your way to the top. You but you got to make it, and you got to be sexy, and you got to look amazing. I mean, you have to look amazing. You're not allowed to just be talented. You have to be absolutely breathtakingly beautiful from head to toe. Your body has to be unreal. Unreal. Completely titties, butt, everything, lashes, hair. I mean, you're not allowed to be anywhere near just pretty. You have yeah. to be stunning. Yeah. And you're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it never <laughs> stops. I, I, it never stops. The demand on it never stops and it keeps changing. But then now you have to be nice to other girls while you're doing all of that. Like I'm just already nice to other girls, but I don't think it's fair to criticize someone, especially like, I mean, she comes, like, you know, Nikki comes I around. Never and be I will never be Nikki Minaj. She, she can wear the queen crown. I, it is not for me. Like she, and I think she also is like a lot of people want, I think she's quoted a lot saying like a lot of people think that they can be this and then they try and then they can't. And it's like, okay. <laughs> she doesn't seem nice all the time. I will say that she does not seem maybe, I don't know. I feel like she was put in a position where she had to be mean. And then there she's was a surprise. Perfect. She's, she's perfect. perfect. She's great. She's doing her thing. It's 
amazing. You you know, we don't we shouldn't put any more pressure on her. She's great. Leave her alone. Also, I ha- she has another baby I'm obsessed with. I know for a woman who says they don't want kids, I have a lot of opinions about people's kids. And my opinion is always, oh, my God, I love that baby. Like, but like <laughs> I have like a running talent, like tally of favorite celebrity babies and like her little chunkster. He's so yeah. cute. The chubbiest. I'm just obsessed. I just love a good chunky one. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I love that you love a chunky baby. I like <laughs> I like culture a lot. Same. Culture is very, very cute. I'm also a fan of Serena Williams's baby. Um, and also I follow the doll on Instagram, but that's just like, she has this, there's a, her husband, Serena Williams's husband runs an account for the, his daughter's baby doll. And it's just like weird little kind. It's called at the real Quake And it's like a whole thing. And it's very funny. So it's just weird shit that I look up online. That and Adam Sandler looking like crap in public. You can just. Ah, <laughs> that's my man. <laughs> All right. So you know what? We've had so much fun and I've gotten to get to know you and just learn more about you. And I'm super, super excited for everyone listening. If they're not already a fan, they're late because you're amazing. And I, there's so many cool things that you're doing. I've been a fan since you were on Funny Girls on Oxygen and just oh. doing so many cool different things. So where else can people find you and connect with things and what other projects should we be looking forward to seeing? Well, definitely follow me on Instagram, Esther.Steinberg. I post things on Instagram. I'm about to move to LA. So I'll be doing a lot of live shows in Los Angeles. I'm coming from New York and then I'm, you know, my special just dropped. That was a huge deal for me. Burning Bush on Amazon, Apple, and Google. And, uh, my podcast every Monday is stand up mom. And, uh, we just did Jessica Kirsten and the next one is Bonnie McFarland. So I'm getting like really legit amazing comedians who also just so happen to be moms talking about balancing and juggling and and comedy and so that's been just a blast that's what i'm really focused on and other than that i do a lot of videos with my son like funny we do funny videos together i'm like always trying to go viral (laughs) we went viral once which was me telling him a story so my instagram has the gems in it. I've seen the story one, and you do like all the different characters and the voice. He's, he's the concern on his face. Yeah, he's just very he's such a good he's audience. Actor. He's very vulnerable. He's he's the scene partner I've been looking for my entire life. <laughs> all you had to do was make him yourself. All you had That's to do. It. That's all. Just an easy peasy. Bake him <laughs> in the oven. Get him out. Yeah, and now I have like a scene partner and I wonder if we're just going to continue doing videos together until he's like 25 years old. <laughs> that would be wonderful. I would love to see a YouTube kid like really stick with it. I feel like around four, they're like, mom, please stop for me. Stop but I don't want him to have his own Instagram because I want the follows. <laughs> smart, so, smart. Because I on Instagram. If you want to see pictures of my cute son, you got to follow me. <laughs> so follow Esther Steinberg, check out Burning Bush, follow, uh, listen to the mom, mommy. I'm, I don't want to say butcher the name. Stand, of the up name. Mom. Stand up mom, stand up mom podcast. Super excited. So many great things to take in and oh, a cute. I love that. 
I love that picture. So check out Stand Up Mom Podcast on, on all the things, uh, Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you're listening to this. So check that out. Thank you guys again for tuning Thank in you. to Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jasmine Ellis. You can find Rhythm and Bay Podcast on Instagram at Rhythm and Bay and Facebook at Rhythm and Bay and on Twitter at Bay Rhythm and. Yes, I screwed that up and they won't let me fix it. So thank you for following, supporting, and listening. And as always, keep it smooth. Bye.